What's up, y'all? Welcome or welcome back to another episode of The Gist of It. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd. We're your co-hosts. I'm Ellen Hislop. And I'm Steph Rotz. I'm back on the mic today, y'all. Yes, Steph. Welcome back. We missed you. And we are so happy you're here because... I missed you. I missed you. It's been... We actually, (laughs) right before we started recording, we looked at each other and we were like, it's been a long time. How have we not done a podcast in so long? But it was literally only two episodes, but it felt like five ever. It did. Yeah. It really did. Too long. Let's <laughs> never do that again. But Lauren did a fantastic job. Oh my God, that amazing. Just, oh yes. my God. She, it was so much fun. We had such a blast, especially because we talked about so much football, which you know Lauren and I could talk about for probably an hour of a podcast as opposed to a 30-minute podcast. But you came back at the right time, Steph. We have a lot on our agenda today. We have to talk about Stanford head coach Tara Vanderveer becoming the all-time winningest head coach in NCAA hoops history. We have to talk about Caitlin Clark setting new records over in Iowa. It feels like every single day. And then we have to talk about how South Carolina is still hanging on as the lone undefeated NCAA basketball team remaining as we look at the women's game. There's so much to discuss, so many different storylines, and I'm glad that we have this agenda in front of us because we're less than two months away from March Madness. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm just absolutely so excited to talk about all of that today. And then wait for it. After the break, we have a very exciting interview lined up today. Drumroll, please. Speaking of Lauren Tuscula, yes, doing an amazing job. We have Lauren Tuscula back today in this podcast because she sat down with Las Vegas Aces star, two-time WNBA champion, and two-time league MVP, Asia Wilson, to chat about WNBA free agency, her time at South Carolina, and Asia Wilson's upcoming involvement in the NBA All-Star Weekend. Talk about an amazing interview. Oh my gosh, I just... I'm so obsessed with Asia Wilson, so I'm so excited for y'all to be able to listen to that. It's so cool who we've had on the podcast as of late. And normally we don't do interviews, right? And so I think that it's a nice mix when we get to talk about the news, chat about what's happening, and then talking to someone like Asia Wilson, though, especially because she is so immersed in the college scene, it still feels like, because she is such a proud alumni of South Carolina. And then obviously she's won so many WNBA championships. Now it feels like that she is the face of women's basketball to a certain extent. And so having her on the pod is just so cool. Never in our wildest dreams of when we started the gist of it, did we think that we'd have people like Sam U.S. who recently retired. Oh my God. And someone like Asia Wilson on the podcast. It's so freaking cool. Asia Wilson, to me, is the face of the WNBA. It's always also great seeing her courtside or in the stands during March Madness as well. So a huge supporter of the college game still. So, so excited that we have her on the pod today. And I know, Ellen, that you've had a lot of fun lately talking about the NFL, your beloved American football. I personally really hope that Taylor Swift enjoyed her time in Buffalo this past weekend. (laughs) Steph's favorite city. (laughs) With my favorite artist. So really happy for her that she got to venture there. And that means we have four teams left before we have the Super Bowl on February 11th. Yes, the Super Bowl is coming soon in about three weeks. So it was so wild, Steph. The Kansas City Chiefs beat... The Buffalo Bills, and I just feel so bad for Bills fans, if I may, for just one second, Steph, for 
It's been three times now that Patrick Mahomes of Kansas City has faced off against Josh Allen in Buffalo. They're even, Steven, when it comes to their head-to-head in regular season games. But now Patrick Mahomes has won all three playoff games against Josh Allen. And this was the first time that Mahomes came into Buffalo to play. The other games were in Kansas City. So, so many people thought like, Buffalo's going to take it. And the Bills just can't catch a freaking break. I thought that maybe they were going to make it at least into the conference championship, but their kicker went wide right. Jason Kelsey took off his shirt. Taylor Swift was cheering, and it just seemed like it was in Kansas City's favor. But hug a Bills fan. Hug, like, Steph, I'm sure you're a Buffalo fan. Like, I just feel so bad for them. I do think that they would have been beat anyway in the AFC Conference Championship because Kansas City is now going up against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We're going to give a preview probably more on Thursday on that, but Lamar Jackson, the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, played so lights out this last weekend. I have no idea how Kansas City is going to stop him. Mm, Yeah, I was a bit conflicted with that Kansas City Bills matchup because I wanted to see more Taylor Swift and Mm -hmm. shirtless Jason Kelsey, but I also am a Bills fan. So It was almost like a (laughs) win-win-win. It was like the stars aligned. You know what I mean? Like it, It worked out really well. And then over on the NFC side of things, the Detroit Lions, you you also went to Detroit recently too, Steph. Yeah. They are making their way to the NFC Conference Championship in that city and Eminem are losing their mind that they are going to the championships. I think it was something like the early 90s was the last time that they won a playoff game. I know the stat, but I'm just not remembering it off the top of my head. And so the fact now that they've won two playoff games and that they're in the NFC Conference Championship, that is so much fun for that city. And as a always going to bring it back to the Toronto Maple Leafs who (laughs) never seem to win two series in a row for, I don't know, my lifetime. I can only imagine how happy the Detroit Lions and their fans are. And they're playing the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. The 49ers are surprisingly lucky to make it through. They just snuck by the Green Bay Packers. And considering the 49ers were the number one seed and the Packers were number seven, I was like, can't believe it. But they did it. And so this Sunday is going to be so much fun. I really want this for the people of Detroit, for the city of Detroit, because going off of that Toronto Maple Leafs mentality, the Lions have officially won more playoff games in the last two weeks than they have in the last 64 years. (laughs) Was it 64? 64 years. Oh, my God. Like, that is just sad. Yeah. Detroit needs this. I really hope that they go far. And they're such a hardworking city that never gets enough praise. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Similar to Buffalo, Steph. Yeah. It's only a buffalo. <laughs> can, you, can you sense a theme here? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now it's time to jump into everything on the NCAA women's basketball side of things. We are past the halfway point in the NCAA basketball season, which started in November for context. And on the women's side, Steph, it's been so chaotic, so much fun. So many amazing games that it almost already feels like we're in the national tournament and in March Madness right now. I cannot believe that we're en route to March Madness. That's how good the basketball has already been. The men, on the other hand, (laughs) they've been kind of even, Steven. Like, there's so much parity in the game that it hasn't really allowed for any super teams or individuals or anything like that to stand out and partially because the women's game feels a little bit opposite and that there really are some superstars and some teams that you can't not pay attention to 
mainstream media is paying attention more to women's basketball than men's basketball for honestly the first time ever. And a lot of that is the Caitlin Clark effect. And it's really exciting to see. It is really exciting to see because I'm always worried that it's maybe just my algorithm. So when you confirm mm. the, the bias that I think I have that people are mainly talking about women's college basketball, it's amazing to actually have that confirmed for me. So thank you, Ellen. It's exciting, right, Steph? Because what you see on the social side of things in your TikTok feed or your Instagram feed is actually being somewhat replicated on traditional media. And that's not something that we're used to seeing as a women's sports fan. And so we have all of these incredible women basketball players to thank for the products that they're putting on the court and the hype that they really built starting from last year's March Madness. On the women's side, the first thing that we need to talk about now that we've laid the groundwork for where we're at in the history of women's basketball, we do need to talk about the history that was recently made. Stanford women's basketball head coach Shara Vanderveer shattered a glass ceiling on Sunday when she became the all-time winningest coach in NCAA basketball, women's and men's, so officially set an NCAA basketball-wide record. Her Stanford Cardinal, who are now the number six team in the country as of Monday's AP poll, defeated Oregon State to notch Vanderveer's 1,203rd win, which is one more than the legendary Duke men's head coach Mike Krzyzewski, a.k.a. Coach K, who retired in 2022. Obviously so happy for Vanderveer. You only get to that level of wins when you've really committed to the sport for number and number and number of years at an exceptionally high level developing amazing teams. For starters, when we look back at her game and how she got into women's basketball, she actually played basketball in college at Indiana, but setting the stage of where she's at now, she started coaching, I think it was when she started coaching was 1985. So that just gives you some context of when she would have been playing. So she was playing at a time where there were no scholarships. There was little to no support in athletics. Um, women were playing only for the love of the game because the perks were non-existent. And people at that time were like, should women be playing sports? You know what I mean? It was, it was very, it was a very, very, very different time. And so seeing her as an athlete pull through to being a coach, she must have just seen so many incredible things in her playing career and coaching career of how the tides changed, I guess, for her during that time. Mm -hmm. And when we think about women's college basketball, we always think about Title IX. Mm -hmm. And for context, Title IX, the landmark civil rights law that ensured equal opportunities for women and men in education, and that includes school athletics, was passed in June 1972, which was the summer before Vanderveer's sophomore year or her second year. So really... <laughs> was in the moment with all of that changing. And of course, when legislation is put into play, it takes some time for people to catch up, for institutions to catch up. So those equitable opportunities really did take years to manifest after 1972. So Vanderveer never really saw the equal support in her own playing career, but different story now. Yeah. And I think that's probably telling us to why she fights so hard for her players nowadays is that she gets it. She lived it. She understands it. And so I think, Steph, when we think about where her coaching essentially developed, she started coaching her sister's high school team, which I think then led her to seeking other coaching opportunities. On the college side of things, she ended up landing at Ohio State and helped coach their junior varsity team for free. In those days, maybe this wasn't so wild, but hearing for free now, especially with how much money these coaches are raking in, that is wild. The most amazing part, though, is that Vanderveer led that roster to an undefeated season. It was her first go, and it just showed like that was a sign of things to come. 
for what we could expect. Mm -hmm. An amazing start to her career. And then she did two seasons at Idaho, went back to Ohio State. And that brings us to where she is now, which is the Stanford gig. And she started that job back in 1985. So it's quite the tenure that she's had head coaching as the Stanford Cardinal. The Cardinal had a losing record her very first season, but they simply haven't since because that's why we're talking about her. Yeah, it's really wild when you think about all that she has accomplished. We're going to talk about some numbers here, but Vanderveer has led Stanford to three national championships, two way back in the 90s, so 1990 or the 1900s, as Gen Z likes to say, one in oh 1990 gosh. and one <laughs> in 1992. Shout out, great year. And then in 2021, for her to have coached one team from 1985 till now is wild to me. The Stanford Cardinal haven't missed a national tournament, so March Madness, in 35 years. They've been to the Final Four 14 times, which is an exceptionally hard feat, and she has been the National Coach of the Year five times over. She is also in the Basketball Hall of Fame, and her career is still going. <laughs> One other job that we absolutely need to mention that we haven't mentioned yet is that she's also coach Team USA at the Olympics in 1996. And as we like to know, women's basketball in uh, the US, they won. <laughs> they <laughs> always win. <laughs> they always freaking win. <laughs> So another amazing part of her career. And then just a quick stat here to really give you the context in terms of how deep she goes and all of her accomplishments. There are 360 D1 women's basketball programs. 355 of those programs have less wins than Van Duvier. So like some context in terms of how dominant she is as a figure in women's college basketball. It's remarkable. You don't see those stats really anywhere else across sports except with Tom Brady and different NFL teams. And he is the greatest, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL. And she is arguably, and now pretty definitively, the greatest coach of all time in college basketball, men's or women's, which is very remarkable. I think the big question here is F is, Yes, Vanderveer owns the history book, but there's a lot of really great coaches out there in women's basketball right now. We think of Don Staley, we think of Gino Ariyama of UConn. And so just kind of what is next for her? What's next for, I guess, the legends of the game when we think about these folks? Gino Ariyama of UConn is also just seven wins behind her. So it might even just be like whose yeah. career is the longest out of those two who have the record. That is such a good point, especially because they are around – the same age. I think they're both 70, I want to oh say. Oh my gosh, 70 old. has never looked so good. <laughs> I know, they right? Bo they're, wow, that, they both look amazing. They're both, I mean, they're on the basketball court every day and they're with a bunch of Gen Zs who are definitely keeping them young. So maybe that's the uh, philosopher's stone, you could say, for how to stay young is to just coach sports with young kids. Seems like a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. I did see Gino in the flesh. Oh, right. <laughs> to, in to totally go off topic because UConn played uh, the Toronto Metropolitan women's basketball team. They absolutely smoked <laughs> us, but I did get to see Gino in person. Truly does not look 70 years old. I know that's not the point of today's podcast, and we're talking about an amazing woman, and I'm going on a tangent. But yeah, it looks good on it the It looks two good of them. on both of them. Sports <laughs> does incredible things to people, it keeps you young. Sometimes it ages you, though. You Sometimes it ages you. I'm pretty sure both of them have been through a lot of stress over their careers as well, where they they want to be pulling their hair out 
and they're probably going gray because of some of the decisions that their players have made over the years, but they look youthful and they're keeping them young. But I think really the TLDR in all of this is how impressive a career this has been for Vanderveer, how much she has changed the landscape in women's basketball, how many athletes and players and leaders, I think in general, in and outside of basketball, look up to her and look at the type of program altogether that she has developed in terms of recruiting the coaches that she hires, the investment that she puts into her players of how they act on and off the court. You know, it's all that small stuff that adds up into being one of the winningest programs in NCAA history. And she's got a really good jacket now. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nike gifted her this perfect jacket that has 1,203 tally marks on it. Like when you are on a wall trying to tally how many days have passed by you, it's really good. You got to Google it. I'm picturing you. <laughs> Why did I picture Castaway or like Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like <laughs> That's what I was trying to conjure up. <laughs> that also just reminds me of grade five when you're learning how to count in fives or something. Maybe I'm a yes. little late for that. Maybe yes. it was more like grade two or three. I don't know. But learning how to tally was a big deal. It was a big deal. It and was now she's deal. got a jacket with all of it on there so she could hang so it cool. up and teach grade five with it, apparently. There you go. So <laughs> many tallies with that jacket. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks for sticking with us. As we mentioned, we have a very exciting interview for you today. Last week, Associate Managing Editor Lauren Tuscula, and very much so friend of the pod, had a chance to chat with WNBA superstar Asia Wilson. Woo! Some deets on Asia, if you're not familiar with her, absolutely you're going to love her. She is two-time WNBA champion, two-time league MVP in 2020 and 2022, reigning WNBA finals MVP, two-time defensive player of the year. There is truly nothing that this woman cannot do on the basketball court. She's also really, really stylish. She's an Olympic gold medalist, NCAA champion 2017, a huge resume. Huge resume. In addition to being very stylish, she's very funny. Yes. And very you you see her on TV and you just want to be friends with her. You never want to play against 100%. her. You never want to play against her. She's someone that you want on your team, not playing against. But she just looks like, hey, you want to have a drink, you want to have a party. She's the one partying the hardest after her Las Vegas Aces team wins the WNBA finals. You know what I mean? Like she's cool girl alert, literally defined, you know. Mm-hmm. As she should, going back to back like that, respect. <laughs> Hell yeah. And so Lauren and Asia covered a lot of stuff. It was a very quick interview, but they got through a lot, as women do. We cover a lot in a short amount of time. We can do it all. Um, so they talked about WNBA free agency, which is really exciting because on Sunday, teams were allowed to start to talk to players that they could like chat with and negotiate and whatever, but they can't actually sign until February 1st. So there was some really fun stuff that they were able to get into on that WNBA free agency side. Of course, we've talked about the Las Vegas Aces and they chatted about their fun and their chemistry and their style of play. Obsessed with that team. We talked about Don Staley and her team really being undefeated this year. Asia played underneath coach Don Staley for a while and so talked about their relationship. And she also talked about how she's going to be involved in the NBA All-Star Game. We talk about this so much, Steph. The NBA and the WNBA have such a special relationship in them being brother and sister leagues. But I also think what's so cool about the NBA that so many other leagues can learn from is that 
it feels like a natural extension to have them welcome the WNBA. It feels normal. It doesn't feel like, oh, look at all the WNBA players. It's like, of course the WNBA players are here and they're going to be courtside and they're going to be reporting because they know basketball better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's a very respected and loved relationship between those two leagues that would absolutely love to see in more sports. Yes, exactly. So without further ado, we welcome our interview with Lauren and Asia Wilson. Well, Asia Wilson, thank you so much for joining us on the Gist of It podcast today. Thank you for having me. Uh, We'll jump right in. Um, You and I are speaking on the Thursday ahead of WNBA free agency opening up. So Sunday, it all starts up. We got some big names that could be on the move. Obviously, you're staying put. You're not going anywhere. But got like Elena Deladon, Skylar Diggins-Smith, John Paul Jones, just huge names. What's it like as a player to be observing the WNBA for agency? I know we had like Stewie's tweets last year and the cryptic <laughs> emojis. What's it like being a player and observing all of this? Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I only say that because I'm not in it. <laughs> I'm sure when you're in it, it's a completely different mindset. But um, it's just a lot of fun just to see where people go. And I, I always joke and I'm like... At this point, I don't know who's on whose team until I see them in the summer. <laughs> so it's just pretty cool to just pick people. And like some people go places where I'm like, wow, I was not expecting them to do that. And I think just we see that in the men's game a lot. And I think we're slowly starting to see it in the women's game where they're starting to shake things up and people are going places that you would never imagine. So just to be just a, it's been a lot of fun just to watch everybody from Stewie tweets to just everyone just maybe just sub different things in different positions. I know Sky is eager. I'm excited just to see Sky get back to work because uh, you see uh, you see the work that she puts in, uh, what she allows us to see, but then it's kind of like, oh no, like she's something. So I'm excited just to see her back into the league and uh, hopefully good things can happen. Totally. Yeah, we're so excited to see her back out there. And like yeah. you said, the conversation around it is super cool. Um, obviously last off season was big with like the rise of the super teams, whatever you want to <laughs> call it. Um, <laughs> But one thing about the Aces in particular that I wanted to ask you about was just the joy that you all play with. And like when I'm watching you guys, it's clear how much fun you're having. I'm curious where that comes from, if that's something you can like create and foster or it's organic and how that translates to the court, too. Yeah, I think it's very organic. I think it's just even when we're talking about, you know, who do we want in our locker room? What what do we need, Becky? The different pieces. We always think about that aspect of it. Like, how are you in the locker room? Can people that are going to be ready to come into work but are willing to have fun and I think uh, the beautiful thing about our team is watching us pull it out of different people I think that's the biggest thing like when it came to Candace you can tell we were just all like you would think that Candace was at a daycare the way we looked at practice (laughs) but slowly as the season went through we started seeing like little snippets of Candace and AC and then Kayla George comes in and it's like it's just a beautiful thing to watch unravel. And I know a lot of people see us on camera and be like, oh my God, they're just putting on, like they're just acting. But no, that's really us. Like we're, we really have a sisterhood culture in Las Vegas. And I think that's what I love the most about it. It's like, we have our days where we're like, oh my God, bring it in. This is my girl. We have days where I'm like, I don't want to see you guys like ever, like leave with the joy and how much fun we have. Cause it's genuine. It's real. It's what we do. We, we do different things throughout the season together so we can form that bond and they had went on a trip to Cabo like we do things as a team team <laughs> yeah it's super clear when you're playing like you can see that translate so that's yeah. so cool to hear insight into that I'm counting down till May to watch WNBA back <laughs> in action but right now it's like NCAA women's hoops it's everywhere we're gearing up for March Madness 
So we have to talk about your Gamecocks, of course. Um, only <laughs> undefeated team remaining in women's basketball. Yeah. I won't ask specifically about your relationship with Coach Staley. The one thing I'm really curious about is like your in-season text stream. Are you hitting her up? <laughs> like I was watching and this is my question. So I want to know about that, but also your relationship in general and just how she shaped you into the player you are today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Coach Staley, like I've been saying, like since I've left, she's literally like my second mom. So she texts me like my mom, like it'll be halftime at a game. And she's like, where are your rebounds? And I'm like, you're absolutely correct. Thank you. Uh, but then at the same time, I can hit her up and I'm just like, I'm going through it or I just don't feel right or I do feel good. How can I continue to help my team grow and build and produce for my team? And like our conversations are all over the place. And I think that just shows us in our relationship and the tons of fun that I have just texting her and picking her brain has been a great thing to watch. And now on the outside looking in, I love supporting her. Uh, I'm always supporting Coach Daly. I'm a, obviously a big fan and I'm going to be supervised and I'm a 100%, but it's reciprocated. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it. But our relationship is just like any other mother-daughter relationship. We cuss at each other, we fuss mm -hmm. at each other, but then we love and, and we always nitpick very nitpick different things but we know what's best and we want what's best for each other so I miss her a lot I know she's getting mad at me because I haven't been to a game yet but <laughs> it's coming soon I'm gonna find my way to make my way down there to go to a game so yeah it's pretty good nice that's so great um and obviously you left a huge impact on South Carolina today's actually the three-year anniversary of when your statue was dedicated which is kind of cool nice. we're talking yeah so nice. happy anniversary I guess um yeah. <laughs> when you look back on your time like is there a memory that really sticks out, a moment, an accomplishment, something that really sticks out in your mind when you look back at South Carolina? I think just us winning SEC my four years there, like, I think that was just epic. Like, it was just a tons of fun. Like, the stories that we have from all those different cities we went to for SEC tournament, it's been just a lot of fun. The rivalries, the trash talk. Um, us being the underdogs in some cases, even being the number one team, they're still like, no, we need to take this team down. It's been something that I always think about. I always look back on it. And when and now as a pro, when I'm an underdog, I'm like, I've been in these situations before. Like, this isn't unfamiliar to me. So it's just South Carolina has obviously treated me so well. And, and I had an opportunity to just to be me and grow within that state, the university. And so when that statue went up, I thought it was a joke. So <laughs> it's pretty cool to actually see it there. And uh, just the times that I had at South Carolina are something that I'm never going to forget. Awesome. Well, clearly you changed the game there. You keep on changing <laughs> the game, all these firsts in the W. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really stands out is like all your entrepreneurial work. So mm -hmm. you have a book coming out. You have a candle company. Yeah. You have a partnership with Ruffles, which I want to mm -hmm. get into. Um, just talk about what you guys have in store for NBA All-Star Weekend, too, with Ruffles. First player, W player on a bag. Personally, yeah. I am a Celtics fan, so I should be reaching for the Tatum chips, but I reach yeah. for it every time. Now I'm reaching <laughs> for <it>. Sorry. But <laughs> I know you have stuff in store with him for NBA All-Star yeah. yeah, no, we have a lot of fun things involved. I mean, obviously, we have the four-point line that was a part of the celebrity game for a minute now, but now the line unlocks, the Ridge line unlocks, and it unlocks different things for fans to get the total experience. And I think that's the best thing that I love about Ruffles is they really give people the experience that, that they could probably never have. And JT and I are actually getting to pick people to send in videos, and we get to pick to see who has the best shot to fly two people out so they can shoot on the actual court. And I think that's just tons of fun. I mean, it's it's experiences that I don't think a lot of fans can get and, and Ruffles brings on firsthand. And that's what I love the most about it. Like I was saying before, like last year we were at a hot dog stand serving hot dogs to fans and it's just cool. And I think it's also cool for people to see 
the NBA and the WNBA together. I think a lot of people try to divide us, obviously, because of our gender. But at the same time, kind of cool for them to see us in the same spaces. And it's kind of like, okay, cool. Like, we see it. So, uh, yeah, we have a lot of things in store. JT and I are also going to go to uh, a store the next day and just kind of kick it with fans and enjoy that moment. Again, another experience. Someone can walk away with smiling. So, no, uh, NBA All-Star is going to be a lot of fun. That's as it always cool. is. <laughs> yeah. What do you, this is like maybe an inside scoop for our gisters. You get to pick which fan gets to go. What are you looking for? What type of shot? Like, can you give them any tips to get on your team? I really can't give them any tips because they're not playing in, they're getting an experience that I don't get, which means playing a shot up in a stadium. Uh, arena's cool. Yeah, basketball, I got it. But we're talking about a football stadium, so I really don't have a lot for them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I'm just telling them to bend their knees stretch before we don't need anyone pulling anything and just kind of pray about it <laughs> okay there you go write that down everybody before you submit your video um and you mentioned seeing the w and the nba together i think i totally agree it's super cool especially on that stage and yeah. getting the exposure and everything so if you get to pick who's the next w face of ruffles who are you giving a chip bag to <sighs> Give a chip bag. I gotta go Sydney Colson. I'm gonna give a bit chip bag to Sydney Colson, even though her face is scary and I God knows who's gonna pick up that bag. But I think she's like the perfect person that can do that. If I have okay. to pass the torch. Pass it on. There we go. We'll be stocking <laughs> up on all the ruffles. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate yeah. it. Um, one more quick question before we go. Basically, it's a huge year ahead. We got Aces going for the three P Olympics around the corner. Like, what are you mm -hmm. most excited for in twenty twenty four? Oh, man, I'm just excited for the season to start. You know, like, I feel like I've been just obviously the off season's great and I love it. But I'm like, all right, now I want to play like because we're I feel like we're the only ones that aren't playing now. Everyone's right. playing. It's like every seems like every sport is playing right now. But us. Uh, so I'm just excited just to approach the season. I am truly excited for ring night because ring one was, oh, my God. So I can only imagine what ring two is going to be. So, yeah, I'm super excited for ring night. Like I was excited last year. I was like, OK, cool. But this year, oh, my God. Yes, sign me up. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We can't wait to watch you in May, thank Olympics you. and everything. And at the All-Star Game too. Thank you so much. Seth, that was so great. Ugh, gosh, she is so funny and cool. <laughs> yeah, two icons just getting to chat, which is so fun. Hopefully we'll have Asia on the podcast another time too. She's up to no good in the best way across everything in the basketball landscape. And I'm really, really excited that we were able to have her on the podcast today. And with that interview, that marks the end of today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back in your ears with a new episode on Thursday. In the meantime, of course, would absolutely love if you could rate, review, subscribe to the pod, share it with friends, all of that good stuff. This episode was edited by Savannah Held and executive produced by Alessandra Puccio, D-Lab, and Lauren Tuscala. Again, I'm Ellen Hislop. And I'm Steph Rotz, and this has been The Gist of It. Have a great week, and we'll be back in your feeds on Thursday.